We have three readings tonight, two from Galatians and one from Luke. Uh, The first one comes from Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 to 15. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so. You would have torn out of your eyes and given them to me. Second reading comes from chapter 2, verses 11 to 16. When Cephas came to Antioch, I I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ Jesus by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Last reading comes from Luke chapter 9, 46 to 48. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. My name is Rick. I'm from the other uh, tribe of VCC, the, the morning mob, and uh, really pleased to be here with you this evening. Uh, We're going through a series uh, about the goals of the church. Um, These goals were articulated even before Larry was uh, the senior pastor here. So we're probably talking about 15 years ago. And uh, they're still serving us well because they're putting some shape around our aspiration to be the kind of church that God wants us to be. I mean, we could say in a very general sense, yeah, we, we want to be a good church. But what does that actually mean? What does it look like? These goals really help us to specify what does that look like. Um, And uh, we're looking at our aspiration today to grow as a welcoming and inclusive community of people. And those ideals are really central to our church motto, thriving all-age cross-cultural church. The all-age cross-cultural bit of that um, is really... uh, talking about uh, this welcoming and inclusive thing. These nine uh, goals of the church, you've uh, got them on your little leaflet you got as you, you came in the door. So these, 
the two that we're looking at tonight are number six and number seven, to be an inclusive, loving and supportive church family, encouraging participation by all, and seven, be a loving and welcoming church, accepting all. So, being welcoming and inclusive, being a thriving, all-age, cross-cultural church, um, I thought to get us into the mood of this, uh, there's a little poem that you might have seen. As you go down to that back hall, have you looked at the little poem that's on the wall? As you go on this on the left-hand side? Jess put it up there, what, about maybe a month ago? Something like that. It's a cool little little poem. So what I'd like to do is to read that out. And there's a bit for you to do uh, in this. And that's uh, the little uh, part that's in bold, uh, like on this first one. Uh, the last line, yet we are one in Christ. Do you want to give this a go? You're going to have to you know, do it kind of strong. None of this wimpy sort of thing. So as I read it out, uh, you do the last line. So here it is. This is by Sam Hargraves. We are one in Christ. We are many. God's great diversity. Different faces. Different races. Butchers, bakers, website makers, bankers, tailors, teachers, sailors. Fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers. Single, married, broken, carried. The happy, the clappy, the barely out of nappies, barely in nappies in some babies' cases. The ancient, the modern, the famous, the forgotten. Some hopeful. Some hopeless, some cope well, some cope less, some sure and some doubt, some whisper, some shout. Those with abundance, those with need, those who are generous or wrestle with greed. Elbows, tummies, knees and noses, kidneys, femurs, teeth and toeses, some unmentionable, some protected, some accepted. Some rejected, yet we are one in Christ. A broken body torn apart mars God's image, breaks God's heart. Yet our Father knows how the end will be when all his kids will sing in harmony. The bride will dazzle, her branches bloom. So add your voice to him the tune that we are one in Christ. This uh, theme of being welcoming and inclusive is something which is really close to God's heart. Let's just pray as we uh, come into this time together. Father, we want to look at these scriptures tonight. We want to think about these goals, think about what our aspirations mean when we actually put some shape to it. And it's not just a, a vague idea of being a people who represent you well. Lord, tonight, um, as we think about these things, we pray it will yeah, be a, a, something which will be able to comprehend with our minds but it would go deeper than that or deeper than our minds and into our hearts that this would bring about a change of habit the way that we engage with other people so that our welcome our inclusion of others in your name would be a pleasure to you and bring you glory come be with us now as we think about these things in Jesus name amen so these things really are close to God's heart and sometimes we get them right and sometimes we don't 
But look, let's start with the positives. I want to think about how this has actually looked in your experience. When have you felt welcome and included in this church? If you can think of something, a time in your experience in this place when you felt welcomed or included, talk with the people just next to you about what that time was. What happened that made you feel welcomed and included? You've got two minutes. Go for it. Okay, I want to get a little bit of uh, an idea of the flavour of that. Somebody, um, give me an example of when you felt welcomed and included. I can always pick on somebody. I could pick on somebody like, I don't know, Tom Fuchuk, for example. Is he listening? We're all looking at you, Tom. <laughs> Give us an example of when you felt welcomed and included in this church. Okay, that's really good. Okay, but how did he do that? How did he make you feel welcome? Okay, yeah, yeah. That's good. Because so, you know, there's other people doing things which you wouldn't be a part of, except that somebody says, hey, come with us. Yeah, okay. That's it. That's good. And somebody else, another example of where, how you felt welcomed or included in this church. Come on. You are all talking about it just a moment ago. Do I need to pick on somebody else? Okay, Jack. <laughs> um, I was thinking about when I was really last year. Oh, It's nice when people reach out to you when you can't physically be here, but somebody gets into they send you a text or you know there's something just to make that contact. That's really good. Okay, one more from over this side here, from the good-looking side. Yep. Yes, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Ya. Excellent. Okay. So sometimes we do get it right, and that's great, because this is something which God really cares about. When he looks at us, he doesn't see us as uh, you know, different kinds of people. He just welcomes us all, no matter who we are. So with this, you know, it says in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, so he hasn't got a special group of people, religious people that he really likes. You know, it's like there's no difference there. Uh, there's neither slave nor free. So it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is. Uh, there's not even male or female. God's not, uh, you know, got a favoritism towards one gender or the other. You know, you're all one in Christ Jesus. And he says in uh, Romans 15:7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. We've been welcomed by God. So we've got to welcome one another. That's part of what being the church is about, is actually demonstrating the character of Jesus He's welcomed us. We've got to welcome one another. If we're going to be the church of Christ, we've got to act like him, right? So we do get it right sometimes, but does that mean that we can just sit back and say, hey, we're a really friendly church. Tick. You know, we're welcoming, we're inclusive, we've got all that sorted out. Have we nailed it? The trouble is if you look at that little list of goals, there's a pesky little word in there. What's it say? Be an inclusive, loving and supportive church family, encouraging participation by most people. No, it says all. Uh, be a loving and welcoming church, accepting all people. So even if we do get it right sometimes, there's got to be an aspiration to say, we can take good and make it better. But what's the, where's the gap? Where are the pressure points? These three readings that Sam read out to us tonight, I think point to some areas where it gets a bit hard, where our welcome can be compromised by various things. So I want to just draw your attention to this. This is, now, it's not slamming us because we actually are a pretty friendly church, but we can be better, folks. And I want you to just think about what would be the gold medal standard of being a welcoming, inclusive church. And let's really shoot for the gold medal standard, okay? So the first thing, uh, that I want to think about is uh, how we could be a welcoming and inclusive church where no one is too much hard work. That first reading that Sam read out to us um, talks about when uh, Cephas, another name for Peter, Peter and Barnabas, um, they, uh, they were in Antioch and They'd been really welcoming towards people who weren't Jews. And this was a big deal for Jews, you know, because they had this real prejudice, uh, a racial prejudice, you know, that Jews were okay with God and non-Jews were not okay with God. But they'd really overcome that and in the name of Jesus were expressing the love of God to everybody. But then some people came in and... Uh, oh, sorry, hang on, I've got the wrong reading, haven't I? The first one I want to look at is when he was sick. Oh, okay. So when no one is too much hard work, the first reading was about um, when Paul is um, with the Galatians and he was there because of an illness. We don't really know what the illness was, but we know that he was sick. And he says, uh, my illness was a trial to you, 
But you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me. So there are some people, when they come to the church, um, they're a bit of hard work. Paul had come to the church at Galatia and he was hard work because he was really sick. He, he acknowledges that. He, he would have been a real burden, a, a trial to them. I was talking to Beck Stewart. Uh, do you know Beck? She comes in here uh, quite a bit. She was interviewed on Triple J. She was on You Can't Ask That on, on TV. And you know, she's written blogs and all that kind of stuff. And she shares in some of those places about how deafness has been a really isolating experience for her because she is a lot of hard work for people who aren't used to dealing with a deaf person. And she'll, sometimes she'll be in a conversation, she'll ask somebody to repeat something and someone will say, ah, oh, never mind. Like, ah, oh, you're just too much hard work. If I have to repeat myself, why bother? She's talked about times when she was deliberately not included in social events because somebody has thought, oh, if we invite Beck, you know, like, that's not going to work. She's deaf. Oh, that's bad, Right? But you know what we're talking about here? Some people are hard work. And when you're feeling okay, you can usually cope with that stuff. But what about when you're feeling really tired? You really don't have much left to give. And someone comes into church and you're just thinking, I just don't think I can cope with that person tonight. Maybe it's somebody who's mental illness issues you know like they're really coping with depression or anxiety or whatever else it is or it could be somebody who has some kind of disability there's something about this person makes them hard work from your perspective and if you're not careful your tiredness can cause you to compromise your welcome you know what i'm talking about don't you we we have this ideal we want to be welcoming and inclusive but when somebody's really hard work it can really shut that down I don't say this to make you feel uh, guilty or anything like that. You know, I'm, <laughs> we all have limits and I have limits too. But when I'm inclined to draw the line and say, I, I just, I can't really cope with this person right now. I don't want to do the, the welcoming thing because I just want to go and talk to somebody easy. And I can just hear Jesus whispering, what if that was me? Would you reach out to me? If that was me, if, if I was in that wheelchair, if I was that person who was depressed and, and anxious, would, would you go the extra mile for me? And yeah, I'd go the extra mile for him. But he says, in as much as you've done it to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it to me. There'll be times when you just won't be able to respond. But I want to encourage you, if you can, draw on the grace of God to go that extra bit, to offer that welcome, to spend that time, eyeball that person who you find hard work. Get to know them. Listen to their story. Just take that time. Push it a bit to be welcoming and inclusive. It can make so much difference. The second thing um, I want to look at is that uh, passage from, uh, from Luke. Uh, 
So an argument starts among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. So they've got this pecking order thing idea. Well, if we're going to have a gold standard of welcome and inclusion at Epping Church of Christ, we've got to be a place where everyone matters, especially the least. And that happens when we throw away the pecking order. Jesus really teaches the, the disciples a lesson here. He's saying, you, you've got all this concern about who's the greatest and you want to be the greatest. He takes a little child and says, if anyone welcomes, even this little child, they're welcoming me. A little child in my name is welcoming me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For the one who is least among you is the one who is the greatest. There's a part in, in James where uh, he talks about this as well. This is James chapter 2. He says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. This is this pecking order thing. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. It's human nature, you know. We've got some people that we sort of put up and think, oh, they're really good, and other people who we rate lower. You think about some of the... What are some of the criteria that we use for that? Age... Um, it can be things like wealth, like James talks about. Intelligence, somebody who you know, is a bit dumb, tend to think a bit less of them. Attractiveness, good-looking people, oh yeah, rate them a bit higher. People are not so good-looking. You know. Social rank. Achievements, so somebody has achieved something that's really amazing in sport or in uh, you know, music or the arts or something like that. You know, they've done really, really well at something. We tend to put them up. Well, if our church reflects this, that the, the beautiful people who come in get welcomed and get included and the people who are not so beautiful, not so attractive, not, don't have so many points on the social scale, if they don't get welcomed and included then we've really compromised on the kind of church that we ought to be. We've got to throw away the pecking order. We've got to see people the way that Jesus sees them, not as kind of higher or lower, just people that God loves. Okay, and the, the third thing, that if we're going to have this gold standard, is where no one is seen as a threat. Because when people are seen as a threat... When we have fear, that's when our welcome and our inclusion can be compromised. Now, this is where I, I made a mistake at the beginning, um, talking about when uh, Cephas and, uh, and Barnabas were in Antioch. Um, they had been really welcoming of the non-Jews until some people came up and then started uh, criticising them for that. And then fear started gripping them. And because of their fear of what people would think of them, they stopped welcoming those people who weren't Jews. 
Fear can do all kinds of things. Ananias had a challenge on that. This is what Guy talked about um, around communion time. Ananias was given the job of welcoming Paul, a really threatening character, into the family of God. And Ananias could have gone, that is, that's too risky. That is too scary. I'm afraid of this guy. I know what he's done to other people. I'm not going to welcome him. But he didn't. He overcame his fear. He didn't see him as a threat. And what's the first thing he, t- he says when he meets him? He calls him brother. That's awesome. That's awesome. Somebody who has really gone after Christians. But because... The Lord has called him to do it. Ananias says, brother Saul. That's this kind of spirit we've got to have, folks, to push past the fear. So this this gold standard, um, it starts with making sure that we, uh, we don't see people as being too much hard work. And also that we don't see people as being higher or lower. They're not on a picking order but also that we don't see them as a threat. Um, four weeks ago when Larry was preaching on the, the Better Together series, he had um, a slide in his message about moving from fear to friendship. And it's kind of an eight-step thing. And, you know, step one is where you're in fear. Step eight is where you get through to friendship. But, it, you know, little steps along the way. So you move from fear. Step two is spending some time with a person. You've got to, if you don't spend time with somebody, then how are you ever going to be able to get over those fears? And step three is then understanding. Out of spending time with the person, step three, you understand. Step four, the unfounded fears disappear. Step five, you can become more open. Step six, you become actually warm to that person. Step seven, you're welcoming. And step eight, you're in a friendship. When you look around the world, can you see that fear is um, pretty rampant in our world at the moment? There's a lot of very scary things going on. And I, there really are scary things going on. But then the media beats that up because you know that's what gets clicks and you know, makes the whole world go around and media outlets. So if they can get us afraid and boy it's very effective kind of business getting people afraid and out of fear there's some really inhumane things happening in our world at the moment walls being built prisons being built people in Gaza being left to live in ruins refugees being locked up in camps and not given enough food fear and even we don't have to look overseas for this, do we? Like even here in Australia, do you think that Australians are afraid of terrorists, afraid of Muslims, afraid of people who have come from violent places around the world? And we're afraid if they come to this country and we just let them come in, what's that going to do to us? What what if what impact is that going to have? And that fear drives us to do some things as Australians, which Christians need to stand up against. And thank God they are. Christians are at the forefront of offering a welcome to people whose lives have been so horribly torn apart. These people who've come here as refugees, and I'm really proud to say that the Christian church is at the forefront of offering a welcome to people into Australia like that. But it also works right here in this building. Fear 
can shut down our welcome and our inclusion of people that for some reason um, you know, cause us to be nervous. That fear can come like we're afraid of what people will say, like Peter and Barnabas were afraid of what people would say about them. If they were friends with the non-Jews, and these people were really critical of that, oh, you know, I better not you know, do that, so they withdrew. It can be fear of difference. Uh, we can be fear of peop- afraid of people because of their, their ethnicity or that they speak a language that we don't understand. Irrational fears of what a person might do. You know, if that person comes in here... Like, So, there's a particular application uh, about this because the word inclusive has come to mean something a bit different in the last 15 years since these goals were written, doesn't it? What does the word inclusive mean now? If you're talking about a, a workplace being inclusive or a school being inclusive, what does that mean? We're talking about the LGBTIQ community aren't we we're talking about how people with same-sex attraction fit into a workplace or a school or you know a church how does that work there's a lot of fear around i want to show a video by a fella called caleb kaltenbach funny looking fella caleb kaltenbach had a fascinating um upbringing when he was two his parents divorced because both his mum and his dad decided that they were each gay and his mum went off and uh, shacked up with a woman she actually became a real leader in the lesbian um, uh, lobby groups his dad uh, was convinced that he was gay but didn't come out until 22 years later Uh, but you know, was having all kinds of uh, homosexual relationships during that time. Caleb was tossed back and forth as a kid between each of these households. Today, he leads uh, a church which is really unusual in that they have a very conservative theological perspective on same-sex relationships, but the church is full of gay people. You think, wow, how does that work? Kaltenbach says the key is simply having respect for people, having compassion, spending time, treating people well. Listen to what he has to say. Thanks. And so my biggest thing would be um, there there are so many people, especially when it comes to the LGBT community, um, however you want to define people who identify with that community, there, there are a lot of conservative and evangelical Christians who have fear of that community for whatever reason. And we, we have to ignore the fear. We have to stay away from the fear. Um, we can't allow fear to give us permission to devalue people. The fear of some people should never give us permission to devalue many people. Right? That's one of the things that I see today. Uh, the first place I would encourage people to go would be to lean into the sovereignty of God. God is in control. He always has a plan. If you're a Christian and if you doubt that, go read the end of Revelation. God wins. I mean, God's not up in heaven, you know, in his heavenly throne, getting up and pacing back and forth, doing face palms, wondering how things are going to end. That's not what's happening. God is always on his throne. He's not getting up from his throne. He has a plan towards tomorrow. If we really believe in God's sovereignty, that gives us a capacity 
to be gracious today and also bold with our voices as we engage society. And I would say this, you know, we, we need to do that on two levels. Number one, um, I don't think that we need to change our theology. I do think that we need to be more empathetic with people. Um, a lot of the times when I'll speak, people will think that I'm asking them to change what they believe. Not at all. I believe that we need to lean into our empathy. I'm not asking people uh, to think differently about their theology. I'm asking them to think deeper about people. Um, the other thing I would say is this. We need to realize there's a big difference between acceptance and approval. A lot of people don't think that there is, but there is. Um, acceptance is about loving a person where they are, for who they are, no matter what. I mean, I think that's what Jesus says when he says in Matthew 5.46, if you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? I think it's what Paul means in Romans 12.18 when he says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But approval or agreement, I think that's different. I think that's throwing your support behind somebody's life choice, like a life choice to be in a same-sex relationship, a life choice uh, to take a job that you know will be destructive for their family, and, and so on and so forth. And I think that the kind of love that we need to model for people, I think that God's love, that kind of love relies on acceptance, not agreement. I think that anytime love is based on agreement, it's quick and it's cheap and it's not really love. I think it means making the decision to get to know people, making the decision to get to know people who are different from you. I mean, our differences should drive us to people, not from them. And we should get to know people not wanting the opportunity to steer them our way. You know, we want to model Jesus for them, but I think that it means really getting to know a person, putting your own preferences aside, learning to understand a person, learning to understand who they are, what happened in their life, what do they fear, what are their hopes, what are their dreams, what are their joys, um, what, what has happened to them in the past um, that has made them fear God, love God, or abandon God. I really like what he says. Is, yeah, we've got to lean into our empathy. Get to know people. And leaning into the sovereignty of God, like, that we're not at risk here. The gospel is not at risk. We can afford to be really open and generous and very embracing of people who are very different, even people who are really angry at God. Love them. Welcome them. Include them. It's okay. You're not at risk. The church is not at risk. In fact, the risk is if we don't, we misrepresent Christ. So our gold standard is that we're just not going to see people as too much hard work. We're going to let our compassion overcome our tiredness. We're not going to have a pecking order where there are some beautiful people who we would welcome and other not so beautiful people who we would tend to ignore. And we're not going to be overcome by fear. We're going to push through that fear and express the love of God to people who are very different from us and who otherwise we might see as a threat. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh God, thank you so much for the welcome and inclusion that you've offered to us. This welcome, this warm 
genuine affection that you have for us, your creatures, is astounding. What have we got that you would be so kind and welcoming of us? It's not about us, it's about you. That's what you're like. And Lord God, we want to be more like you. We can't do this by ourselves. Uh, Lord, there's all kinds of things that get in the way. We, we get tired. We need your energy to overcome the tiredness and let your compassion rise up when people are a bit of hard work. And Lord, we, we couldn't do this on our own because we do tend to look at people in a worldly way. But we want to get past that and look them, at them from your perspective, see them with heaven's eyes, not as better or worse, but as just people. And Lord, without your help, we would be afraid of all kinds of things, what people would say, what this person might do. Well, we don't want to be overcome by fear, but we want to be the kind of people through whom your love flows easily and generously. So come, fill us with your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. And Lord, I just want to pray that if there's people here tonight have actually never known that welcome from you, um, pretty hard to pass it on if we've never experienced it from you. Lord, I pray that tonight your Holy Spirit would come close to people who've just never really experienced what it is to be included. Lord, knock on the heart's door. Assure them that this is real. It's not just made up. Mm. Thanks, Lord, so much. Amen.